I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. Hello, I'm here with Caleb Brown. Hello, Caleb. Hey, David, good to see you. Great to see you. Caleb is a good friend of mine, and he is a screenplay writer and script doctor, and we'll get into exactly what that means later. But um, I'm talking to him because he is uh, the screenplay writer for a a full-length feature which has just been released called Blue Ridge, uh, and I watched it last night, and it's excellent, Caleb. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Just a really great film, and we watched it here at St. Jerome's Convent uh, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so we'll come back to that in a second. Um, some people will know Caleb's name because he's on the faculty of Pontifex University and has created a, a great course as part of the, the uh Master of Sacred Arts program called Christian Humanism in Modern Cinema. So I'm hoping that people will think about looking at that as as well. Um, So first of all, Caleb, uh, welcome. Great to have you here. Congratulations on this terrific film, I have to say. It's beautiful. It's set in the Appalachians. Just that alone uh, makes it worthwhile. And uh, but why don't you tell us first a little bit about the film and its uh, the project? I don't want to go too much into it. I want people to watch it and discover the plot and everything. But tell us what you feel is appropriate at this stage. And then after that, uh, what we'll do is we'll explore a little bit of your story in screenplay writing, which I think is fascinating, and also your view on how Christian, uh, your Christian faith and the culture should play out in a popular culture for the good of all, really. So tell us about the film, Blue Ridge, first of all. So uh, Imagicom Films and uh, their network, INSP, approached me with this idea and they were like, hey, we want something that is like Walker, Texas Ranger, but more... uh, contemporary, up-to-date, and set in Appalachia. And so I've never seen Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, It's not really my genre, but what I do like is learning about other cultures um, and sort of their culture, their values and and things that feel foreign but interesting. And so, yeah, I took the project and and came up with the plot, and the plot of Blue Ridge is a, uh, a former Green Beret California moves to a small Appalachian town to be close to his ex-wife and daughter. He thinks he's coming into a semi-retirement that he's going to get caught in the long-standing family feud that will interrupt his plans. Uh, the The company was planning to make this a, it's a test to see if it'll become like a, a continuing series like Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, and we will see. So a lot of it depends on audience response. Uh, should premiere on the network sometime, but um, but in the meantime, streaming is the new theatrical release apparently. So uh, it's available on Voodoo.com. Yes, um, I, I will just give you my impressions. Uh, first of all, r- really enjoyed it. Um, I know you're a Christian, and I know you've got views on how that informs the culture. So I was looking to see, and what I would say is that it's just. What I was hoping for, nothing explicitly Christian in it at all. Um, 
and pretty hard hitting in terms of the uh, the the uh, shall we say the there's a murder taking place and it doesn't shy away from the sort of things that can give rise to a murder and the conflicts in this town. But yeah. but through this there is a resolution that is just I think I would say I don't think that's giving too much away but nevertheless believable in this context so it's not um, sappy there's a warmth to it at the end of it um, also the way you treat there's romantic tension within it which I thought was very nicely done so nothing inappropriate from the Christian point of view but again dealing with it in a realistic way in a charming way I, I would have said that's actually much more realistic in people's real lives than what you normally see in these sort of theories, <laughs> yeah. certainly in my life anyway. Um, and if I was to characterise it, I would say it was a little like, is it Longmire, the, the one of the, the sheriff in this town? Yeah, that was part of my research. And that okay. was, we talked about Longmire a lot. And okay. yeah, so this it yeah. kind of ended up being Longmire, but less bleak. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's warmer. There's 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 greater warmth. Yeah, yeah. It is yeah, warmer. yeah. I mean, credit where it's due is uh, I wasn't the only author on this. I did the first pass, and then um, somebody in, in the company uh, who polishes all their scripts, Shay Sizemore. He's really got a great feel. He's from Appalachia. He includes okay. a lot of great details, and uh, yeah, he's chiefly responsible for the kind of the the warm family stuff. Uh, I came up with the intricate plot. Well, that's your speciality. I, I would say also that that's what's noticeable. I, I don't know what it's like in, it, it's set in Georgia, is it? Something like that. Yeah, it's set in North Carolina, but shot in Northern Georgia. Clayton, okay, Georgia. a town called Clayton. I, 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 I know. That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, the detailed observation uh, made it convincing, I would say. So that's that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, detailed observation is like, that's why, yeah, that's, that's what sets, uh, good movies apart from just kind of like exercises and, you know, replicating a genre um, formula. Yeah, yeah, that, that was very good. And also beautiful. I mean, not really, you've got a, you've got a feeling for what it's like there. Um, to, yeah, I, I'd never been to Appalachia before, and this was compulsory research. I went out there, I drove around Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh, it was the fall, it was, made a strong impression on me. and. Um, I got. A, I uh, I went to a small bookstore um, and got. You know, I, this is kind of a trick that I've learned is that if you really want to kind of get a feel for the area, find the local authors. You know, not people who are going through the big presses through in, like they're in New York and in yeah, LA. like you yeah, find something that's kind of self-published and you get a really authentic sense of what people care about and what they think about themselves. And yeah. so, yeah, Appalachia is. Uh, yeah, it's. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about it. You know, it's a uh, it's an interesting part of the country, like known for sort of a uh, strong independence, um, lots of um, yeah, high value on family, high distrust of people coming in trying to change things, and so this is sort of where the the, the detective is already off on the wrong foot. He's yeah. he's from California. He's got family reasons to be there, which is kind of why people put up with him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's an outsider who's going to pump, yeah, bump up against some very inhospitable forces in the town. Um, 
And yeah, it's not really until the last couple of scenes that you get some sort of relief from that. It's, that that's the design anyhow. No, no it, it works, I think. The, the other points I would make is that we were watching it in the house and uh, Maria, who's, who lives here, she enjoyed it and loved it. And, and the comment she made was that very strong female characters in this. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. We enjoyed, yeah. Um, and I'd say good characterization again, that there's something believable about them, that the, the, uh, there's a warmth to, the, the, to everybody, which is naturally human, I would say. And it and was this absolutely obsolete. what I encountered on my visits. So yeah, yeah, okay. Even if they're not doing great things, <laughs> the, the, the general, you know, the, the, the general sense of this is good. And um, but without shirking away from the, the, the fact that, you know, the plot is about a murder and there's evil in this town as well. But um, yeah. so very good. All right, we'll come back to that. Again, for those who are just champing at the bit and want to go away and watch it, I would encourage you to do so. It's at voodoo.com, which I think is the Walmart streaming mm -hmm. um, site. And if you just put in Blue Ridge, uh, it, it will come up. And it cost us two ninety nine to watch it uh, last night. So it's, uh, it's well worth it. Okay, Caleb, I now want to, to just talk to you about how you ended up doing this. You're a screenplay writer for a, you know, a full-length feature, great film. Just tell us the story, and I know that your faith plays a big part in that, so include references to that and how the two, the development of your career and your faith go hand in hand. You know, I, you know, I moved to L.A. in 2005 on the wake of the, the Passion of the Christ. That was kind of a, a lightning rod moment for a lot of people uh, my age who wanted to, you know, make a difference with films uh, that intersected with Christian faith. And the Passion was like, well, you know, what it was. So there were a whole bunch of us that moved to L.A. They were like, more of that, please. Uh, it's been really hard to replicate. Uh, it's, it's taken me 15 years of writing and consulting to get the chance to write something for, that actually got made. Um, and it's, uh, I can only accredit it to uh, stubbornness and friends. That was what resulted in a, a successful outcome so far. Um, yeah, there were a lot of times where I thought, um, yeah, it's just not gonna work out. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I, and I had some great, some, some great, um, moments of good fortune. Um, I cite as one moment, like learning from this USC adjunct professor named Bobby Buster, how to analyze stories that are built professional mm -hmm. level. Um, I'm just gonna stop you a moment. So with just a little bit of background, you moved from Texas. Yeah, I'm from West Texas, Midland, Texas. Right, and you are you Protestant Christian. Um, I grew up a Southern Baptist home. Okay. Uh, and yeah, my journey went from Southern Baptist to kind of very Pentecostal throughout college. And it wasn't until L.A., uh, yeah, I joined a Presbyterian church, but my, uh, the pastor there invited me on a retreat uh, to, a, to a monastery just north of L.A. in Viermo with some, some Benedictine monks. And that just really got in my blood, that experience. At the time, I was reading a lot of Catholic authors and in my mind, in my experience, there was like, you know, there's some really good Protestant authors, but all the best Catholic authors were kind of like here. And so it, yeah, the, the depth, I mean, you're talking about a foreign culture that is 
exciting and interesting. Like, you know, the Catholic, the Catholic intellectual world was pretty bottomless. And uh, yeah, so it, it uh, LA is where I sort of got uh, in touch with that for the first time. Right. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I got interested in movies because I would make movies from all my high school projects with my friends. It was like our favorite thing to do together. And gradually got decent enough at it to, um, yeah, that I thought, no, maybe I should make a go at it in LA. And the Passion of the Christ was kind of the tipping point where it's like, all right, yeah, I can't, I can't make a difference in West Texas. Uh, a fact that is actually changing these days, I think. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the need to make it in LA or New York in order to have a voice like this is no longer true. I mean, I, I wrote, yeah, I wrote most of this script while I was in New Jersey uh, on a sabbatical with my wife. So anyhow, that's a side concern. So I, I moved to LA um, mostly, yeah, waiting tables and, and a lot of phones and um, yeah, just kind of made relationships um, going bowling and, uh, and gradually these people that I would hang out with, uh, yeah, would have opportunities for me. So my first real job was at the TV Guide Network writing for a show called Close Up. It was like a poor man's E! True Hollywood story, which is pretty poor. Um, but it was really neat to like listen. My job is to transcribe interviews from all these celebrities, uh, directors and writers and actors. Uh, it was a pretty good education. Um, yeah, I, I got an internship at Warner Brothers through the Act One program, which was a great um, yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 just, let's just mention that. So, Act One was an attempt. Um, it, I don't, I'm not sure if it's is it still going. We're going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, uh, let's mention that Act One is a is a screenplay writing school that was is aimed at Christians who want to get into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, the idea is to get out of explicitly Christian film was not that anyone's against that but to understand how we can get into the mainstream culture as christians with a christian voice that is authentic and real and hard-hitting is it is that fair that is yeah that's exactly right like almost straight out of barbara nicolosi's mouth the founder yeah um um, yeah so while i was at warner brothers I, i would read three scripts a day from supposedly the best writers in the country and they're all good writers but still only like two to two percent five percent of the scripts that you'd read would be any good uh i'd read these scripts and i'd go home at night and i would find myself reading you know aquinas on ethics or something like that <laughs> and so here i was where i thought i wanted to be uh, in development uh, in, in, in inter- an intern in the development office of like a major producer he's even more major now dan lynn he did the lego movie and most recently he did two popes actually and uh, for that, Aladdin, the Disney remake of Aladdin. So he's like, he's been doing great. Um, but while I was there, I just started to get the sense that like, um, maybe I'm interested in something deeper. <laughs> so uh, I started teaching this class after hours called How to Watch a Movie. And it kind of synthesized things from all my uh, reading and anthropology and linguistics and theology and philosophy and just kind of turned all these tools towards dissecting films. And so, yeah, at the Warner Brothers office over pizza and beer, anybody who wanted to would come in and we watched, say, like Good Will Hunting and just 
very slowly go through it and ask ourselves, or what are we feeling and why are we feeling it? And we reverse engineer the director's decisions that way. And it's an amazing um, a pedagogical process that like you can kind of, you can make yourself a filmmaker. That's all you need uh, is like a good library, good taste and uh, the ability to think critically about how these effects are being achieved through the filmic medium. Tell me a little bit more about what that phrase means, reverse engineering the, the yeah, yeah. decisions. Yeah. Um, I mean, like films, films are like these, you know, these million dollar works of art with like lots of people involved. Like there are people gathered around a monitor watching a film come together and they're asking each other is like, all right, what do we want the audience to be feeling at this moment? And, uh, all right, how do we make that happen? And yeah, you communicate that through the lighting, through the casting, through um, the pace and the dialogue. And so it's not an accident. Like everything you're feeling in a movie is pretty meticulously designed. So if you can, can nail like, all right, what am I feeling? And then you start looking underneath, like, like how did they achieve that? Like, yeah. was it something I heard? Was it something I saw? Is it the color palette? Is it the tone of voice of this actor? Like, was there a gesture that happened that really, you know, got to me? Um, in this way, like studying films, studying how you watch films, uh, isn't just a way to understand movies and train yourself how to make them. Like, it also kind of makes you a wiser person, like way more observant. Uh, I did do a how to watch a movie presentation in Vladivostok once. Um, and this, this person at the end said, uh, you know, you shouldn't call this class how to watch a movie. You should just call it how to pay better attention in life. And <laughs> I thought that was a really good title. Yeah. And why I continue to enjoy doing those talks. Okay. But, I'm just going to come in here and say that, um, first of all, if anybody gets a chance to hear Caleb or uh, talk about movies or attend one of his talks i would encourage you to do that it's it's absolutely fascinating the things he brings out also we're going to post in this um podcast uh, the the show notes that go with it um a couple of shorts that you made you call them shortcuts is that right the, yeah yeah that's um, the which are five minutes maybe i mean but they're um little documentaries one about breaking bad and one about the Incredibles, which I'll post separately as well, because I want people to see these. I saw the Breaking Bad one when we first met here in Berkeley, California. Um, and how you ended up here, of course, is the next stage of your story, which we'll come back to. But um, I thought this was terrific. I'd never seen anybody explain the visual elements. Um, I'd kind of been aware that there are filters used on cameras, but you described the color content and the color coordination in the directing of Breaking Bad in those opening scenes in the, the first episode and, and how psychologically this is trying to communicate something. And first of all, it, it was extremely interesting. It opened up things that I'd never thought about in film. So I'll bear out what that person said. Suddenly you're looking at things in a different way. Um, but also that the reason I was excited about this is that I would say that Breaking Bad is brilliantly crafted, even better now, I believe now than I realized before I watched your instruction on it. 
but it's not good ethically. I mean, it's 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 give, it, there's no redemption at the end of it, and I, and I couldn't watch it eventually. I found it um, so dark. But I, we have to look at the power of those movies and those series, those TV series, to understand why are they popular. And you were explaining that, and I thought finally there's a chance here that we can get some good. Move, powerful move we can use this for the good what you're just describing so i want people to go and look at those um shortcuts that we're going to post as well and then say also that that's why i asked you to teach this class at pontifex university um because we talked about the things that i just referred to and i realized that you have a vision which is in harmony with my what i've been talking about in art and to a lesser degree, architecture and music. You were talking about in film, which is a- yeah, Logos and cinema. Yeah, yeah. there. It's all commercial. It doesn't work unless it's, you know, you can't, you, you've got to get people to watch the thing, uh, but it's the most powerful. So that's my, I'll just, there, there's the advert for shortcuts. Okay, so let's go back now to LA you're reading Aquinas at night and giving talks during the day at Warner Brothers <laughs> okay. yeah. and um and so I, I got the idea that you know I love teaching this class I love teaching this class more than any of the writing or or producing short films that I've done up to that point and so I decided I was going to go to grad school um and just wanted to get better at this kind of analysis work and yeah, I wasn't sure if I'd ever work in the film industry again. I just wanted to get some knowledge and the kind of my gateway drug and my continuing sort of primary hero in this area is Marshall McLuhan. And Marshall McLuhan didn't have a lot to say about the content of movies <laughs> because he was way more interested in delivery mechanisms. But his whole theory of media and language, you know, I, I got a really great education and uh, I'm really grateful to the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology. So I, I knew I was interested in McLuhan and, and, and sort of media analysis. I was trying to find who's doing that now um, because, you know, if you, want to do, if, you get, if you want to do media studies at any sort of like university, you're just going to get like a, a baptism by fire and Gramsci and like all this sort of uh, yeah, post-colonial thought. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just going to stop you there. A bit of explanation. <laughs> so Marshall McLuhan is Catholic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was at Stanford, is that right? Um, no, he was at uh, University of Toronto. Okay. Um, and Fordham before that. But he's educated in Cambridge. And, anyhow. Uh, okay. So, right. Okay. So um, you're, you're reading him. Now then, Gramsci, this figure you mentioned, he is... Yeah. Um, but all name very hardly known at all, but actually highly influential on the culture today. I, I would say um, an Italian communist who died in the thirties, who had all these uh, theories of culture, and pretty much responsible for thing, modern things like uh, critical theory, um, and has shaped the the way that culture is discussed in our modern mainstream universities by developing um, 
as, as, as sort of extending Marxist thought effectively that was just grabbed by the intellectuals. And so I'd seen this in art. Um, you're saying that um, you were telling me the other day that you did a literature degree. Was it your your first degree? And yeah, yeah, I did English degree. Uh, and I, one reason I went into English was because my communications program uh, at Trinity University and pretty much any university was. Uh, yeah, a communications degree is just all about like, here's how you understand media through hegemony and through uh, psycho, yeah, these, um, the imbalance of power between yeah. these groups. And um, what, what I will say about Gramsci is that there's gotta be, an, there, there is an explanation for the, 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 the length of his influence. And, and here's where it intersects with my film studies. Like, you know, you don't have an impact without getting something right. Yep. So what he got right, in my opinion, was, all right, you know, a century of Marxist thought before him, or not not quite. uh, And like, everybody was focused on economics and the means of production. Yep. Nobody was talking about cultural stuff. In fact, like, you'd show how great of a Marxist you were by like not caring about culture, because that's just the kind of a sideshow. Like economics is drives culture. Okay. He sort of flipped that on its head. He was like, you know why Marxism isn't succeeding in these uh, democratic liberal societies? Well, because, you know, we can talk about the economic models uh, who are blue in the face. Like their culture is like liberal and democratic and Western. And so the way to, we can't make any progress unless we start sort of taking aim at these cultural symbols um, and we need to promote our own. And that's how we get our influence. Yeah, and so that's echoed by people even at the other end of the the political uh, scale. Uh, not, um, I would say, not as extreme as Gramsci was on the left, but people like Andrew Breitbart, for example, would say that the culture is downstream downstream of politics and economics. That now people are beginning to realise that he's right, and a lot of what I've been doing um, is really fighting against that uh, that influence of academics and intellectuals in art departments just pushing this on artists and without people really being aware of the theories that behind it and where it comes from um so so great thank you um so now Uh, yeah so i you know like all right i'd gotten sort of i'd entered the the rabbit hole about this whole intellectual world that can be explored that touches film via Marshall McLuhan. And I wanted to study it in depth. And uh, yeah, I had sort of thought that media studies departments were going to be a terrible place to do that. And so Marshall McLuhan kind of considered himself a a linguist. So I wanted to lean into linguistics. Um, So I applied to various programs. Um, Yeah. And, And long story short, like I didn't, yeah, I didn't choose any of them. Uh, and some of them didn't choose me. Uh, I visited Berkeley's campus, which has a very interesting linguistics program, um, and felt supernaturally sure I was going to go to Berkeley, and then didn't get in, because why Why should I? I didn't have a linguistics uh, bachelor degree or any reason to believe I should get into Berkeley. It was just a sense. And I accepted, I was going to accept a, um, uh, a master's degree at like Case Western in Cleveland, which had been pretty different. Uh, but somebody from the Act One program uh, on the board, um, Ron Austin, 
told me about this school in Berkeley, Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology, which is this kind of the, this, this you know, in Berkeley, California, of all places, this extremely conservative Catholic um, Dominican-run institution where you could just really get um, uh, as much Aquinas and Aristotle as you could possibly want. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, and so they let me write my master's thesis on McLuhan and I cross-registered at Berkeley and took more classes on cultural anthropology and uh, discourse analysis, which was great, great tools. And yeah, so I, 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 got, I caught the academic bug. I thought I was going to try and pursue more teaching because I really enjoyed teaching those classes. Um, well, lo and behold, I, yeah, I fell in love uh, with a professor, not one of my professors, but somebody else in the philosophy uh, world. And um, yeah, and I uh, didn't think I was going to be in the film business anymore, but she introduced me to an entrepreneur who was setting up a, uh, a company that would develop scripts outside of the Hollywood system and try and sell them back to the Hollywood system. And that company was the Story Locker. Mm. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I really admired the Story Locker's vision. And, you know, so you could devote a totally separate podcast to like the trials and tribulations of the Story Locker and where we are now, still alive. Um, but the, the, the room that you're living in right now, um, yeah, the Story Locker had a part in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I would like to talk a little bit about how you and I met and the room where I'm living in, so to speak, St. Europe, because um, I'll just tell you the story as to how I uh, came to meet you. So I, w I wanted to move to uh, the East Bay here, my brother's in the area, and um, so I had various reasons for wanting to come to the area. I was looking for somewhere to live and someone said, oh, you should contact Caleb Brown. He's got a place with rooms and you might fit in. Um, and then uh, we spoke on Skype. I don't think I, I was, I was in Chicago at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Um, what I remember most is uh, you were interested in the re-evangelization of culture and that you thought Berkeley, California was going to be the sort of most strategically, um, effective place to do that. Okay. And I, I, that was very intriguing to me. And I still, uh, I'm still rooting for that. And, and yeah. Okay. So. Well, we're, we're still sort of beavering away, but what you, what you did was that when you were at the DSPT, you lived in student accommodation, which was an old convent, mm -hmm. uh, St. Jerome's convent. Um, and enjoyed that the community aspect of living very much, yeah. And decided when you joined Storylog, I want to create that atmosphere where people are l working together and living together somehow. Yeah, living yeah. together, working on something related to one another, and breaking bread on a weekly basis. Um, it was a really rich formula for getting close and. Um, yeah, and creating a bond, and so yeah, this, when the when the when the comment became available and the story locker picked up the lease, uh, yeah, it was a bunch of screenwriters and their families living there, trying to yeah make the original vision work, yeah. and yeah, and slowly we got yeah, I mean the story locker's uh, portfolio got a little stranger, you know, like <laughs> online courses and uh, and uh, video essays and consulting services and yeah gradually added people to 
to the ranks that were, yeah, had, a, had, a, had just a, kind of a, a, an interesting sprawling kaleidoscope of activities related to culture making. <laughs> well, and what, what's happened is that everybody who, who's here, I mean, we're still here now, you're over in, at Princeton uh, yeah. with Laura and your, your family. Um, and, uh, but nevertheless, the connection is still there. We, um, everybody in this place is a Christian, um, in some way, broadly speaking, connected to uh, this broader mission, I would say, of the culture, and they're interested in, in discussing and participating in some way. Um, it's, so, some people come because you feel that they fit the mix of the people here and the community's got to succeed, so that people don't always have an obvious interest. But what I would say is that as a result of this um, mix of people, you and I have met, we've collaborated through Pontifex, we're talking now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for example, many people who listen to this podcast will know Charlie Dice. Ch I met Charlie because you knew so him. You, you watched the video essay, so you see him credited on the Incredibles. Okay. And so not only was he working on that, he and I started to discuss things. Um, and so we've been working together on a whole host of different things that we talk about on these podcasts. And so, um, and we still uh, meet once a week, we have a meal together. The rest of the time, we're sort of doing our own thing. But I just had an, uh, an hour and a half conversation <laughs> with Tom, because we bumped into each other at the Nice. It, you know, and, it, and it's we delved into politics at a certain point. We thought, well, maybe we should stop this now, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's still happening. And uh, we, what in the the one of the large spaces, we watched your film yesterday. You know, we we yeah. So there's this amazing chapel in the convent, and like a good uh, evangelical-born person, I, I took a chapel. And I turned it in, yeah, put in a, a big screen and a surround sound system. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's a sort of, yeah, it's a two-sided coin. That, because uh, yeah, yeah. there's several Catholics there. Yeah, I should explain that you, you <laughs> went to this Catholic college. You, I would describe you as uh, Protestant with Catholic sensibilities. And yeah, yeah. You and me, I think you're on your way, but, you know, you just don't know it yet. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, but so what you face one way and there is this large screen which you know you press something and it comes down so we effectively got a movie theater in this place but then you face the other way you the screen goes up you turn around and we have the altar there which is now permanently set up um, it's these consecrated so there's no sacrilege going on but nevertheless we use that as a focus for prayer some of you will be aware that we have been, we regularly sing Vespers in that chapel. You know, I put some of them out on Facebook videos. We're now meeting again, by the way, Mondays and people are coming in. So there is um, those aspects of community life are just gradually developing and, and you know, happen within the place. So, so yeah, so that's St. Jerome's. Um, so what I would ask you um, before we get back to the one question is what's next? Is there anything in the pipeline? Hmm. Um, but yeah. what I'd like to do is just ask you if you've got any thoughts on how 
that this study uh, contributed to uh, of you know philosophy and theology, very rigorous study in at this Dominican school, uh, contributed to, for example, what you just did, your approach to uh, screenplay writing. Um, and then also just talk a little bit about your general philosophy of what, uh, how you approach um, uh, screenplay writing as a Christian, trying to make inroads into popular culture, not not just be a niche player, you know, for a, a selective Christian uh, market. Yeah, yes, a lot in there and a lot to say, but um, yeah. I forget what the first question is already, but, um, you know, as a, a writer who's a Christian, I feel like my, I should be judged on the same, in the same way that like a, somebody who's writing for, you know, NBC or HBO or, or Warner Brothers should be judged is like, do I believe this? Yeah. Uh, there's some emotional truth here. And do I care? Um, if you, yeah, that's the, that's the primary sin. Uh, in entertainment, is that people don't care, or they know they're, that you're lying to them emotionally. Like those are the sins. Um, so, uh, where where the Christian part comes in for me is what do I consider interesting? What 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 sort of insights do I find just really sort of haunt me? Um, what aspects of, of of our culture or a different culture uh, stand out? So. Yeah, I, uh, my sort of aha moment was after learning how to watch movies uh, from this USC adjunct professor, um, I, uh, I took up a, a study of WALL-E, a movie that I didn't really like all that much from Pixar, and just learned not only was my reading of the movie really shallow, um, but this was probably the best example of what a Christian ought to be making in Hollywood. Uh, in fact, like the director, writer-director Andrew Stanton said, like that the movie is about uh, how, in order for us to love like Christ calls us to love, uh, we have to overcome our automatic programming, and that theme is is seen in a, in a beautiful unity throughout the entire story. And from that point on, I stopped uh, obsessing about creating a separate, safe, pure. Uh, Christian world of entertainment and set about trying to figure out, all right, how can we, yeah, like maybe Hollywood doesn't need to be saved. <laughs> and maybe in some ways our own perceptions, we need, we need different eyes and different ears. Um, but there, yeah, so the, the task of like when I set it down to write a script, um, I'm, I'm really looking for something that bothers me a lot, like something that just doesn't quite go together um, you know, a, a moral decision that is not all that clear cut, um, or something that I'm extremely afraid of, but would be, yeah, but would like to explore in story form. Those are kind of the things that power writing something. So like what's next for me? Um, yeah, through the script doctor, uh, work that I've been doing, I'm getting more opportunities to contribute to projects that are actually sort of on this, um, on this border of Christian market and with, with the hopes of breaking out to something larger. And yeah, there's some neat 
historical projects. Um, yeah, one set in Oakland in the sixties. And, uh, wow. that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, okay. uh, yeah. So if there's any sort of comment there, yeah, there's also one on the back burner, um, about, uh, arranged marriages, uh, in like in, uh, Hindu, Hindu communities. Uh, I just saw something that was of, of universal value to the idea of arranged marriage. Um, not that I'm trying to tell people to have arranged marriages. It's just like when you really see it up close, the, the fact that uh, a marriage is more secure under commitment rather than like passion is something that I, I believe in strongly. So anyhow, the, it, it really is sort of about cultivating a, a taste that is uh, leavened with things that I learned in grad school. Uh, one thing I took away from grad school was having a very sharp um, uh, sort of logical approach to um, arguments that are being made. And that served me very well, meticulously pulling things apart. Another thing that served me well was uh, the second part of the second part of Summa Theologica. It's just this really intricate vocabulary of moral, uh, yeah, of vices and virtues and, and how they, yeah, how, how some verses tip into vices and vice versa. It's a, it's, I think the most elaborate and true to human experience, uh, description of the moral life that there is. And so whenever I'm dissecting a film or I'm writing one, I'm always looking for some very precise, uh, way to describe the theme. Uh, what's being said, and I and I yeah, uh, pretty much every time I'll reach into uh, second part of the second part of the Summa Theologica and look for some term that just captures what I'm going for. Okay. Um, yeah, so I've noticed that uh, um, that you focus on um, so, so not so much a full Christian narrative within a film, but but parts of it, and very often a sort of moral message that comes through. And also how that appeals, why that touches our hearts. That, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. It's not just the content, but it's how that is communicated and why, as you put it, why we care, um, mm -hmm. which is the skill of the director. Um, so great. Um, I think then we'll just finish. That's terrific, Caleb. So great to talk to you. Good luck. Yeah, really fun to talk with you, David. Really great to see you as well. Yeah. Uh, so for those who want to watch the film, um, Blue Rich at voodoo.com, screenplay uh, co-written by Caleb, um, thoroughly recommended. Um, and uh, till the next movie and the next podcast with you, <laughs> goodbye. Great to talk to you. All right. Take care, David. Okay. God bless you. You've been listening to The Way of Beauty podcast conversations on catholic faith and culture if you enjoyed this episode then please give us a five star review on itunes this will help others to find it too also if you're interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss you can do a course at the pontifex university website that's pontifex.university